Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March the 24th. In the year of our Lord, 2022, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a lot of news to cover, so let's get to it. We've got uh, Brian Rust, RustCoinandGift.com with the Honest Money Report coming up. Second hour, we got our buddy Pete Sapp, National Taxpayers Union, coming up. And, man, we got a bunch of news the networks refuse to use as well. A quick recap of yesterday. We had our buddy on Kurt Crosby with us. Discussion of all things liberty. Localhoneyman.com doing a phenomenal job. We talked about Joe Biden wants the U.S. to lead the new world order. You comfortable with that? Do you want the United States to lead the new world order? See, I don't, I don't want that at all. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. First off, a new world order idea scares me. Uh, I'm not into world orders. I'm into the United States of America. Here's Joe. We are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of the the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. Okay, I don't know what he means by there's going to be a new world order out there. I don't know why he started talking about, you know what, there's been a huge history of death. I don't know why he's linking death to the New World Order. I don't know if it's a veiled threat. I don't know what Joe's uh, intentions are, but I want no part of his World Order plans. All right? I want to leave the world alone. I want to teach the world by turning to God Almighty instead of government. I want to use the checks and balances that our founding fathers bled and died for as a way to rein in, to chain down bureaucrats and professional do-gooders so they don't, in their, quote, benevolence, I jokingly put benevolence in quotes, right? So that they don't literally ruin the freedoms that we have on the altar of their getting rich, of their getting popular and famous or whatever agenda they think they have. Somehow they believe that they've been lauded or somehow crowned uh, as kings and queens, uh, but they're out of control and they've got to stop. And so I want to do all that I can to reject Biden's new world order ideas. We don't need to lead anything. We need to set the standard for the free market. We need to set the standard for constitutional government. We need to set the standard for jurisdictional separations. We need to chain down 
Joe and all of his cronies with the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. And the only way that can get done is if we, the people with our greater numbers, literally educate ourselves about the proper role of government and then insist on them carrying that out. Or if they don't, we will find somebody who will. That's the big key they don't want you to know, ladies and gentlemen. What they want you to do is do things that get you in trouble as insurrectionists or do things that okay, they want you to overreach as they are doing. Don't fall for the lie. There are ways to rein in government, and it starts with realizing your local precinct and your local county, that is the government that's closest to the people, and that's the top government in America. Yes, it's divided into well over 100,000 precincts. It's divided into 3,000-plus counties in the country. That's all by design, ladies and gentlemen. We're not supposed to have central control. The federal government, the 10-mile Washington, D.C. square, does create the United States a several states contract, a constitutional republic's contract, but we've delegated. Go look at your Declaration of Independence for what I speak. We, government derives its just power from the consent of the governed. The federal government has very, very, very powerful, but very, very, very few things to do. And when they do more or less than that, we need to shut them down. Ladies and gentlemen, we also talked with Kirk Cosby about becoming an owner, not a donor of the Republican Party with the precinct strategy. Dan Schultz or Schultz does a great job at this. It's precinctstrategy.com. And he really highlights what we need to do. We talked about the big victory in Arizona where the judges jettisoned this idea that we can just skip precincts in America, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's unconstitutional, this emergency legislation that jettisons precincts. We can't do that. We can't do vote by mail and have it statewide. We've jettisoned all the checks and balances of precincts and counties that way. All right. On Donald Trump even said, hey, the precinct Saturday is fantastic. By the way, a federal judge convicted, Coy Griffin, uh, he's the, one of the founders of Cowboys for Trump. They say he illegally entered a restricted capital area, but they acquitted him of any, of any disorderly conduct. So let me get this right. No disorderly conduct at all. <laughs> but yet, you know what? You're in a restricted place. The problem is in the court, they debated what the restricted place was, and no one was really sure where it was. But they know he violated it, see? In my opinion, because Coy is a legislator in the great state of New Mexico, he's a county commissioner there, they realize he has more power than they do up there at the federal government level. And they realize the proper role of government, and they want to send a message to him, how dare you get elected, and then challenge the very election system that puts you in power, buddy. And so they literally, in my opinion, are attacking him unfairly and wrongly. How are you entering a restricted place when you don't know what places are restricted or not? See, that's the problem with their lie. They know that he didn't commit any crime, so they want to jettison the disorderly conduct discussion. Because if we get into the disorderly conduct discussion and we subpoena enough records, we might be able to point to the thugs that were really involved as the insurrectionists. That is government provocateurs on whose errand we can't figure out yet, but we saw them on video with their destructive intentional tactics, did we not? We talked about it with Revolver Magazine and other places literally documenting what happened there. Criminal activity at the highest levels 
tied to either insurrectionists and or government don't know who, but the government helping to prevent us from getting to the bottom of that. U.S. District Court Judge Trevor McFadden, the guy's a nutcase, he literally heard one day of testimony, handed down the verdict without a jury. Ladies and gentlemen, that's criminal in my opinion. Where's the jury of peers? Huh? Where is the jury of peers for Coy Griffin, huh? And I would also then say, you know what? We do believe in fully informed juries, ladies and gentlemen. And even if Coy was in the wrong place, even if he did breach and was in a spot that he ought not be, and even if he knew that it was a spot that he shouldn't be, here's the question that you got to ask a fully informed jury. Did he do any harm when he was there? What was his intentions for being there? And if the government restricts a place that they have no real business or justification restricting, and if that place is so vague that they debate on where it is even, then the fully informed jury should dismiss. Why? Because you would say, I'm here to judge not only the crime, but I'm also here to judge the law. And in this case, the law is so vague, the law is so nonsensical, because what they're saying is, well, we had to enact that because Mike Pence was in the building. Well, Mike Pence is on the same side as Coy is. There's no threat or danger of any kind. Coy was not even in the building. Okay, so they're using this literally to attack Coy. They say up to a year in prison for this. Okay, Trevor McFadden literally doing this without even a jury because he knows that as we educate Americans to realize fully informed juries are the grand key. I think that what Coy needs to do is sue their socks off. Somebody needs to get a hold of him and we need to find out what his intentions are. But look, no jury. What the heck is going on around here, ladies and gentlemen? All right, that was hour one of Liberty Roundtable Live. Hour two with Kurt Crosby. We talked about less than a year after, quote, natural reduction, they call it, or human body composting, the whacked out state of Colorado has laid to rest composted human remains. And uh, I guess it's a little strange because what they do now is they literally put you in a box. The law allows you to do this now. They can put you in a box. You don't do cremation or you don't get buried this way. <clears throat> in this box, they put all kind of chemicals or whatever they do, and your body just like decomposes over six months. And when it gets done, it's like a you return to the dirt. And they have like a truck, pickup truck bed size full of dirt that then they just go spread out amongst the soil. It's very strange. But they call it a green death. Just die green, will you? Your last act can be an act of saving the planet, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we also talked about a coalition of about a dozen or so Oregon businesses filed a legal challenge against the state of Oregon because of their aggressive climate plans, forcing a 90% reduction of greenhouse emissions. Anyway, the bottom line is they're soon over it. They say it's not obtainable, and it's going to absolutely destroy our businesses. We also talked about, okay, doomer, okay, climate deniers. Yeah, really, it's crazy stuff. Kurt Crosby had a plan to be happy. I'll tell you about it in seconds.
We at Freedom Factor have a passion for our shared American heritage and want to help restore some of that American pride by emphasizing the documents that made us Americans. Our goal is to put pocket constitutions into the hands of every American and in every school. This effort requires your help. Order your pocket constitutions and browse our website at freedomfactor.org to learn how you can help spread the message of freedom. Read it, know it, share it. Freedomfactor.org. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. The CDC just reported that 7,218 people died after receiving a COVID-19 shot. Granted, vaccines are a complicated concoction of chemicals, and as with any medical experiment, it can take a long time to get it right. This is not the first time people have been hurt when vaccinated. What is different this time, and so concerning, is the reaction to these death numbers. Let me explain. In 1976, the government vaccinated 45 million people for swine flu. A total of 53 people died after getting that shot, and the U.S. government immediately halted the vaccination program. Why? Because authorities decided it was too much of a risk. Why would they halt the program back then for 53 deaths, but now, with over 7,000 deaths, they are using every method possible to force it on you. In fact, now the health authorities are using their power to silence anyone who dares to question the COVID vaccination. Why? Why is anyone that questions COVID silenced? Even doctors are being censored. What's up with that? Paid for by Evan Bundy for governor. VoteBundy.com. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Back with you live, finishing the recap of yesterday's show. Barack Obama tests positive for the cocoa. He says, I'm grateful to be vaccinated and boosted. And my response is, I don't see why it didn't work. <laughs> Fully vaxxed Hillary Clinton tests positive for the cocoa as well, and she's glad she's fully vaxxed. Get vaxxed today, and I'm thinking, if all these guys that are vaxxed are getting the COVID, why would I get vaxxed? Especially when it's an experimental, unproven bioweapon, ladies and gentlemen. It's literally, I mean, it's insane. But don't worry, Rick DeSantis, or I'm sorry, DeSantis in... Uh, Florida, doing a great job, announces the female's the real winner in the race, not the male that, you know, won the swimming race or whatever. Good for uh, DeSantis, doing, doing a great job. All right, Kurt Cosby says, I want a new bumper sticker. Brian Rust with us, rustquinnandgift.com. Welcome, sir. Thank you much. Glad to be with you, Sam. All right, here's the bumper sticker. The number two, the letter B, space, happy. Keep the commandments. Oh, yeah. What do you say? You in? Uh, I'm in. I think yeah, so. I'm in, too. Hey, just to kind of help people be happy and stuff like that. You probably, a lot of people that are grumpy in the morning will see that bumper sticker. And they'll be like, how dare you be happy in the morning time like that? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's crazy. In fact, sadly, the number of Americans who died 
due to alcohol-related causes skyrocketed in the first year of the pandemic, up 25-plus percent, Brian. And they say the number is probably even higher. But the results of the study were probably impacted by inaccurate death certificates, which frequently underreports the involvement of alcohol. So massive death due to alcoholism and everything else because of the COVID, Brian. Um, yeah. That's not the be happy plan, is it? Not really. Don't, yeah. <laughs> is that turn? Do you drown your so- sorrows? Is that what it is in the alcohol? I guess so. Of- People are just so overwhelmed, so alone. You know, you take away their ability to see their grandkids if you're a grandma or whatever or grandpa. And, you know, you can't see your parents if you're whatever. And. I'm, I'm just saying it's just pretty look you deny people people are social beings we shouldn't be right. socialist but we're social beings and when you deny the need for touch and the need for friendship or the need for communication and companionship and different things to everybody and everybody runs down feeling isolated and you deny people they're tied to god because you've jettisoned god for decades in the media and everywhere else and look people don't have anything they can rely on anymore ryan yeah no you're exactly right i mean we need we need that and and, and uh, you know and you know, we should have allowed things to just pan, you know, play out. I mean, the way that it should have been naturally, and not so much. Well, we could protect you. Well, I don't think that they really kind of protected us. I think people were dying anyway, and all this get the shots and so on. People are getting the COVID anyway, and it seemed like that their control factor of we can help you. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's like everything. They're just getting their hands into everything because they got to protect us <laughs> instead of okay. How about we just run the course and and not have you so much in our lives. Yeah, can I just say no thanks to the help? Can I just be like, no, thank you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the way it ought to be. By the way, there was a reporter, and he was trying to make the point that, you know what, we can't just jettison gas and, and fossil fuels. I don't believe they're fossil fuels in the first place. That's a whole other topic. But a reporter now posts a video where he's trying to charge his Tesla, and it shows why the electric cars will not solve the gas issue right away bottom line is the guy can't find a charger can't charge his car he's all jacked down and stuck and then even if you want to charge your car it takes forever and uh anyway pretty comical brian <laughs> that's right it's well, comical as long as it's not you <laughs> so yeah I, I heard that you know they had some kind of uh maybe it was a sports event or something and all these people went to the sports event but then they came out and found out that they needed a, uh, a charge on their vehicles, and all these cars are around there needing charges and can't go anywhere. And and so now they've got to create something where I guess these mobile uh, charging stations come in and, and can charge everybody's vehicle that happens to be there. And I don't know. It seemed like that was kind of a crisis at that time. I can't remember where I read that story. Yeah, it, it highlights the point that we're making as folks. Look, it just isn't a feasible option at this time. So if we want to work towards getting there, I get it, okay? But the fact is we're not there. And, yes, if you're the elite rich guy that has the Tesla, you may be fine if you just drive your car local to where you got a charging station or local to your house or something. Um, But you know what? It just doesn't work day in and day out. It's not a realistic, ubiquitous solution. It's just not. And, anyway, this reporter demonstrated it, and it was quite comical to say the least. Now, Judge Jackson, this is the one they're quizzing down before the Supreme Court. She wants to become a a U.S. Supreme Court justice. But Judge Jackson was asked if she could define the word woman, Brian. Oh. And she said she couldn't do that. 
right. Well, okay. dude, she's not like a um, biologist or anything like that, and so she couldn't really define woman. I, I and this see. is where the liberals are just so laughable because, <laughs> yeah. look, how, how would you define woman, Brian? I, I defined it yesterday, but how would you define woman? Well, it's it's you know obviously X and Y, and then then you know the, your body shape, and and you can you know have children. I cannot have children. I mean, there's factors like that that uh, pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah, I kind of said stupid stuff like there's this thing called the human race, and in the human race well, there's this binary reality set forward by God Almighty. And he said, yeah. male and female, I created them. And if you're a little kid and you don't know how to tell them apart, I would recommend to look at the plumbing. Pretty soon you'll learn to figure it out. Right. See, that's what I would have said to the court, something like that, you know, because it, sure. really it is that simple, folks. Let's not pretend it's not. And when you deny this and you can't define woman, then you're not following the science. <laughs> that's right. Because we're going to follow the science around here, Brian, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, wars and rumors of wars. I guess Russia has a $140 billion stockpile of gold, Brian. Did you hear this? Yeah. Uh, I haven't read that, but I, I they were they were putting gold away, quite a bit of gold away, yeah. They've been gathering They've been gathering that gold, Brian, for decades, they say. Yep. Yep. How come they would do that? Why don't they just go ahead and just start printing rubles like we do? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. That's right. Because, <laughs> look, all they got to do is print rubles. They can get rich, Brian. <laughs> that's right. You're, yeah, there you go. It, it piles up pretty high, doesn't it? The other thing they could do, what would happen if they just started printing American dollars? Let me just ask you, yeah. what if Russia just started printing American dollars? And what if they're good enough where you couldn't tell the difference, Brian? Then what would happen? Well, there's countries that have tried that, and people, people, and and countries of other, you know, people of other countries uh, printing. Uh, you know, at least that's the that's the rumor because see, then we have to, we you know, that's that's one reason. Well, we've got to change these colors or these styles or whatever because all these people we've got to wipe them out who are creating fake dollars, and yet in our own country, our isn't the Fed creating fake dollars? I mean, isn't that? Uh, yeah, buddy, but they don't want any well, competition, Brian. <laughs> oh, I see. There you go. I mean, you understand that, don't yeah. you? Well, there you. Yeah, we can't. We don't want to. They don't want us to compete. That's that's true. Uh. Anyway, I just find that really, really interesting. Um. I don't know where we go from here in, in terms of this because look, as long as we've got this fiat currency going, as long as we cling to it. We're mad at the Russians because they're starting to use the, quote, cryptocurrencies to uh, evade the, um, what's that called when we just shut them down financially? What do they call that? What's that? If they invade the... No, what do they call that when the, we just shut them down economic, economically? My sanctions is the word they call oh, it. Sanctions. Oh, yeah. there you go. So they throw, we throw a bunch of sanctions on them and then they just start using right. the, um, the crypto... Uh, to circumvent right. the sanctions, and now we're mad at them for that, see? Because right. we're taking their ruble, but yet we want our dollar to be strong. Uh, but I just submit that, hey, man, they can do crypto, or they can go ahead and just print American dollars, and what are we going to do about it, you know? How do we say, the, right. will the real dollar stand up? Because then you got the <laughs> the U.S., or I'm sorry, the Federal Reserve currency. you got the cryptocurrency, and then they got the Russian ruble, and then you got the Russian-made version of the, it's kind of like a Chinese knockoff of the U.S. currency by the Russians. 
You see what I mean, Brian? It's a small world. Oh, yeah. Brian. Right, right. No, I get it. It's... <laughs> I, just, I just go, are you kidding me right now? All right, uh, there's good news and bad news, but Brad Little of Idaho signs abortion ban into law. Texas-inspired bill to ban abortion at six weeks. I think it's a great news piece in general, but there's some gotems in it, which we'll talk about in a second with Brian Rust. And then we'll get the Honest Money Report coming up as well. we got a whole lot coming up on your radio. Brian Rust with me, Honest Money Report on tap, rustcoinandgift.com. And you are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. A house full of unsupervised children in Virginia were given sleeping pills by another child, causing them to be hospitalized overnight. Hopewell, Virginia police were called to a home where they found four children, ages one to four, unresponsive. Three more children found in another part of the home were awake but lethargic. The adult who was supervising the children left to go to the store. He called 911 upon returning and finding the children. It was not immediately clear the adult's relationship to the children or if he'll face any charges. NATO leaders are meeting in Brussels this morning to discuss actions against Russia for its part in invading neighbor Ukraine. We're waiting for official statements soon. Idaho on Wednesday became the next state to enact a law modeled after the Texas heartbeat law, banning abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy and allowing it to be enforced through lawsuits. Republican Governor Brad Little signed the law but said he still had concerns about whether the law was constitutional. USA Radio News. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Thanks, Pat. Call toll-free 800-630-1490. That's 800-630-1490. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But the secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Again, 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490 today. Or at SwissAmerica.com. Exactly one month since Russia began its invasion of Ukraine, the leaders of NATO, the G7, and the European Union have convened a trio of summits in Brussels to coordinate the next phase of the Western response to Russia's attack on Ukraine. NATO leaders pose for a family photo before beginning their work behind closed doors. Japanese military officials announced North Korea tested an intercontinental ballistic missile on Thursday. That's the first time since 2017. With Americans suffering from inflation, it's not a wonder why President Biden's job performance is getting a failing grade. President Joe Biden's approval rating amongst both Democrats and Republicans has dropped to a new low as only 40 percent are approving, according to a new Reuters Ipsos poll. The poll found respondents listed the economy as their number one concern, followed by war and foreign conflicts. And in a separate poll conducted by the Wall Street Journal, more than half of those surveyed believe President Biden will not seek re-election in 2020. 
2024. That's John Hunt reporting. USA Radio News. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live. Brian Rest with me. RestQuotingGift.com. Honest Money Report comes in seconds. In the meantime, Brad Little signing into law a uh, ban abortion bill. It's great news in the state of Idaho. Six weeks. They followed the Texas example. Brad Little signed it, but he expressed a lot of concern. I guess uh, those who impregnate the women, rapists or anybody else, I guess, can sue uh, for a period of time, um, depending on the details. And so it's, 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 it's like good news, uh, but it's kind of like, um, well, I guess you got cancer. Um, good news is you're probably not going to die, though, Brian. So, you know, it's, it's good news. It's a little bit like that. But overall, it's great news. I've been telling the Republicans for decades if they want to champion the right issue, it would be pro-life. After all, if there's any purpose for government, it's to protect life, liberty, and property. So I agree that it's the right thing to do. I just think, why do they always have to put in these weird things that make you go, I don't even know if I'm for it exactly. I mean, I guess I am. But who wants women all over the country who want to keep their babies or whatever, uh, or who whatever, who wants all these lawsuits and all these other problems stemming from it? Why do we always create a poison pill, Brian? Well, that's a good question. I guess it's a way out. Maybe it's so well. I did vote for it, but well, yeah, there were some other things in there, and maybe it wasn't the best. I, you know, maybe it's a loophole where you know they can kind of retract. But yeah, I agree with you, Sam. Pro life. I mean, I can't. Why, why can't we just? I mean, get back to, you know. Well, I guess one of the biggest issues is we we jettison God. I mean, you know, and, and it, you know, if we jettison God, then we have a lot of these issues, and, and so they create, you know, kind of a. You know, live on both sides of the fence. It's kind of like, okay, we, you know, you have the Savior on one side and Satan on the other, and you want to hold hands with both. So you can kind of keep your foot in the world and enjoying all that, but you got your also, hey, well, I'm also on this side, so hey, don't don't beat me up, maybe type thing. Ain't no hope, hokey pokey for me there, Brian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. All right, honest money report. Where are we sitting with constitutional currency, gold. Uh, the gold's sitting about the same as it was last week. Uh, we're up maybe a little bit, but nineteen forty six ninety. Nineteen forty six ninety. Wow! It, what's weird is the penny is to the same. It's just up like seven bucks, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen forty six ninety silver. Right. Uh, Twenty five thirty four. Uh, and that's what down two pennies. Yeah. Okay. It's weird to me. The world's just in crazy turmoil, but yet that doesn't seem to fluctuate too much, huh? Yeah, and, you know, that's the game that's being played. I mean, they, you know, you're, obviously we can't, you know, they can't, I would say, is is uh, look at this as a major, uh, look, it's not doing anything. I, I, look, I kind of always have said it's kind of like a weeding out because people kind of get frustrated. They get frustrated in the fact, well, okay, well, this is interesting. I'm, I'm putting this away and trying to, thinking it's the right thing to do, but it never seems to go anywhere. It's not ever going anywhere. Well, right, on paper, on paper, they pretty well can do whatever they want, as we've seen. Uh, they can put the prices where they want. They, But but realistically, I mean, if we allow it to uh, – I, I guess, you know, I go back to, to you know, history and so on. We, we've, we've been – silver's been $50. We've seen it, 
and they and the and their um, narrative there basically was okay. Well, it's fifty dollars now because we're 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 in debt. We've got a big debt. It hangs over everybody's head, and this is how much everybody owes every household. And he used to run across the news desks and tell us kind of this is what what's happening and 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 that. And so yeah, it's there's just a lot of bad things. And then today in society, it's ten times worse. And they just kind of say, "Oh, it's it's not too bad. We've got everything under control. Things are okay." You, you don't hear the the same news that drove it before. You see it. We're seeing it live in our lives. But boy, it, it just seems to kind of be this. And that's all paper driven. That's those. And then we're running around in. saying, "Ah, oh, you stupid Russians buying a bunch of gold. What's the matter with you?" Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and big banks and everybody. I mean, yeah, like these big banks. That's one of these. The, the issues is they they control this paper market so that they can buy up physical, you know, and that's that's uh, that's the game they play. They get fined. I mean, million trillion, you know, millions of dollars, five hundred, seven hundred million of dollars, and uh, that's so they can depress the price and continue to buy. Well, why are All they right. buying? I thought everything was in good shape. Everything was yeah, good. Why are you buying? We don't need to buy any gold there now. That's what right. about rhodium? Uh, rhodium sitting at nineteen seven, so it's down about one hundred and fifty dollars. But that's nineteen thousand, right? Correct. Yeah, I want people to understand when I'm talking nineteen hundred like gold. Now this is real stuff. Nineteen thousand dollars an ounce, right? Correct. Woo, that's kind of a pricey. I, I I better let Kurt play in that market. I'll just stick with the old <laughs> yeah, cheap gold right. stuff. You know. That's right. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about nickel? Because nickel's been kind of a big old to do with the Russian. Uh, control of that or manipulation of what, I don't know what, you know, of that, right? Right. I'm trying to think what nickel was. Uh... So let me get this right. We're manipulating on paper. They're manipulating because they're simply saying we're not going to let you have any nickel. They're dealing with hardcore metal reality manipulation or control, and we're dealing with paper manipulation. Who do you think is going to win that one, Brian? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> – there you go. Well, I'd like to not yeah, be on the paper side of that, please. Right. Good point. All right. Any any idea where nickel is, though? Because I, I know that it just skyrocketed to the point where they literally had to even stop the trading of it uh, temporarily so they could get a handle on it, right? Yeah, they did. It was, you know, I think it – what was it? Was it – I wrote it down. I'm trying to – 48,000 per ton. Uh, trying to look and just see if I've got it on my this chart here. I don't want to – it's not showing me where it is, what it is. Yeah, there's a lot of metals, ladies and gentlemen, and they change all the time is the point. Um, but it's very interesting uh, how literally Russia has that much control over nickel to where, look, even a – we're not even at war with Russia. Well, it, not literally, right? Not declared, not whatever. Uh, but yet even the, the hint of that literally shuts down the nickel markets, right, Brian? I find that very scary, and I also find right. it fascinating at the same time. Right. No, you're exactly right. Well, and it, you know, there's a, I mean, obviously, you know, nickel, but you know, this, um, Russia, there's a lot of that, you know, they're one of the powerhouses in that metal. So, you know, but that, that's a, that's a, that's something we can tangibly look at and say, okay, well, why is nickel going on? What, you know, and, and what's nickel used for and what's, what's the big deal there? Well, okay, well, there's a war going on and yeah, there's, we're thinking, okay, that's going to affect that whole market, which it is, but, but everything's okay. Realistically. Yeah. The metals are down and you know, they're holding. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a joke. 
their message is, is basically a joke. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I find that interesting. Nickel, all these different uh, metals. You know, I, I wish I could predict what metal or what commodity do you think will be next in these? Um, I don't know what you want to call it, but these uh, skirmishes, or I, I don't know what word to use for these pretenses at war or these sanctions or these manipulations or these. What, I mean, man, if I could just predict, like if I could have just got like a bunch of um, whatever before it goes up, then I could do well. How, any idea how to kind of get a handle on that? What What's going to be the next volatile point, if you will, Brian? Any idea? Well, I mean, what I mean, there's other minerals and things like you know, copper. Maybe copper becomes a you know a you know a need. I think anything like that is as the, the biggest issue, I guess, is is when there's war. I guess, and then we have. Uh, transportation issues as we can't get products to various places i mean there's just all kinds of things that are rippling across i mean why is gas six dollars and going to ten well we know kind of or why is you know why are food prices going up i mean or you know fertilizer or any all these other things which are which are uh you know minerals and and metals and all these things that that come into play because we you know as we uh life as we know it or used to know it is not the same. And so, um, you know, I think that's why we've always kind of said that peace of mind is basically preparation, right? We don't have to go wait in the line. If we have monetary that we have that we could barter, or if we have food, or if we have all these things, but yeah, what's the next thing? It seems like there's this game that we're, we're, we're in is, uh, you know, they're pushing all these agendas. Is it digital? I mean, are we, you know, is the dollar, okay, we'll get rid of the dollar. If everybody wants us to get rid, it's devalued, all this stuff. We're going to become strictly reliable on, you know, uh, cashless. I mean, credit cards and that kind of market is that, or Bitcoin or that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's always something that, that's being thrown at us because they tell us it's okay over here, but realistically, we're, we've got to change with the world or something. I don't know. It's kind of a speaking game. of changing with the world, ladies and gentlemen, things are changing with the world when it comes to the great Olympic state of Utah. So we used to have the Outdoor Retailers Show in Utah, Brian. And right. it was an incredible show that we had there since like the 1980s, man. And everybody loved it because Utah's known as the great get outdoors place, greatest snow on earth and everything else. But then they had a little political, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, spat is what I might call it, a political spat. And then they bailed and went to Denver. Well, they're coming back. I've got details and concerns. We'll talk about it with Brian Russ because it's economic related. We'll do it all in seconds. RussQuinnandGift.com on your radio. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. 
treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. All right, so back with you live, Brian Russ and Sam Bushman taking on hard-hitting talk just for you, ladies and gentlemen. So the Outdoor Retailer Show decides to return to Salt Lake City, Utah. It will remain at the Salt Palace Convention Center for at least the next three years, with shows every January and June, just like it used to be. And I guess behind the scenes... Um, the outdoor retailer folks were kind of sad when they went to Denver. It's just not near like it is in Utah. Uh, they love the family atmosphere. They love a lot of things about Utah. And so we were sad to see them go, but, and they were sad to go. And now everybody says, hey, baby, come back, which is great news, I think, economically for the great state of Utah and a whole lot more. But I have concerns, Brian, because here's the deal. The organization, they say, has plenty of goals for the next three years well these goals have to do with the whole reason that we had this little tiff this little um spat where it, they want us to literally uh, create more and more and more public off limit off limits land and i don't really understand when they talk about programs that support and protect public lands they say discussions are ongoing as to exactly what that looks like um, but my concern about it, Brian, is what is the outdoor industry doing? Embracing environmentalism, but at the same time, wanting everybody to get outdoors and enjoy life. And they say plans are still in place to hold the upcoming outdoor retailer show in Colorado this June. But then after that, they're going to be rolling to the great state of Utah. But I'm concerned, okay, about this because these political spats seem simple and seem like nothing. But it's over land. And government should not be controlling and dictating the use of lands. And these environmentalists are in bed with these outdoor folks to the point where they're compromised. Um, and, and, and they want to basically pick sides and control land. And so outdoor retailer executives literally eventually announced that they were leaving Utah over this land dispute. Whereas uh, the Utahns were saying and the Utah government was saying, Look, we don't want to have these environmentalists control all the land. And the green folks just melted down. And they're like, hey, man, if you're not going to let us control the land, we're out of here. We'll go to Denver. And we said, we're so sorry to see you go. But, you know, if that must be what it is, it is what it is. You know, if that's what it must be, then fine. So they left. Now they're coming back. But my fear is that they're going to come back with some needed revenue and dollars. <clears throat> and we might be more willing to cave give them their way whatever you want to say this time brian 
Right. Yeah, it seems like their agenda. They don't want us to go out really and and enjoy, but they want us to buy their products. So it's you know, and the and the small majority, I guess, is is is. Uh, it seems like that's always the case. Is we have a few, a few, and we allow these few to overpower uh, the bigger voice per se. And so, yeah, and then then they they push that agenda on. Well, we can't you, sh- you can't do that. We got to protect more of this land. And by the way, here's this nice sleeping bag. If you go out there, it's it it'll, get, it'll keep you nice and toasty, and it's, it's the best bag on the line. And I don't know. I mean, I obviously they're they're selling products. That's why they're here. But I I think pushing their agenda is a whole different. Uh, well, and if they're deal. not very careful, though, the two agendas of selling products and the environmental wackoism kind of a. I don't know what words to use, but they kind of eventually become a train wreck at odds with one another. Uh, they collide. Right. And so I get that we want to treat the earth well, and I get that we want to, you know, preserve land and leave things pristine. And I understand a lot of that, but I also understand the need to use land uh, uh, appropriately. And my worry is that governments might just kind of start to cave to a lot of this agenda. A lot of the green folks have very strange ideas and they're very forceful. They're a small minority, but they're very active in their agenda. In fact, me even taking this issue on, I'll probably get abused by all kinds of these green uh, peace, love, and tree hugger people that, you know, look, I care about the planet too, and I care about land use. <clears throat> but to say that we ought to have these um, strange eco groups uh, with a lot of money and a lot of influence, but yet they're a small minority of the people literally controlling the discussions are concerning. And so I was not glad to see the Utah retailers. I'm sorry, the um, outdoor retailers go. But I was glad to see Utah stand up a little bit and say, "Uh uh-uh, you know what? We're not going to be beat up by and compromised by this, quote, green lobby that's just extreme. My fear when they come back, though, is that we might, I don't know what you want to say, in the, quote, renegotiations now, the restarted discussions or whatever, if we're not very careful, we might decide to give a lot more up than we intend to. And I would warn against that. I would say, look, I, we're welcoming you back, but understand if you come back, people, we are not going to give up these core uh, realities here. I, I don't know. That might have already been negotiated away, Brian, because when they announce coming back, they say we don't have all the details worked out, but they must have enough work out, worked out to build confidence. That concerns me, Brian. What right. pretenses and or terms are governing the comeback is the way I would phrase it. Right, so something possibly in the back back room where they've they've discussed it, and we don't have all the all the, all the details. And I'm not so sure. It's, it's kind of like this agenda, our governor with this transgender thing. I mean, you're not willing to just okay. I mean, common sense. It's still talk about common sense with this transgender kind of sport thing, and he's vetoing kind of what's going on. And maybe it's the government governor saying, "Ah, we're going to make we're going to get it done, or we're going to it's going to be a win win for you and us." And, I don't know. Like you say, we don't have all the details. I'm super redneck, Brian, where I come from. Dudes are dudes and chicks are chicks, and that's just how it is. That's it. That's it. Yeah. See, I'm not very smart, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess there's the, I mean, you, you know, you have a, well, we can't, I was going to say animals. There's animals. It's this bull, and here's a cow, and they can have calves. and But I guess then, then I guess the, you know, the, other side of that is they they step forward and say, well, this... Yeah, they say that's this, a bunch this. of bull, don't they, Brian? 
Yeah, they say that's a bunch of bull. But they bring up the is it the, the salamander that doesn't need a male or female? Is that maybe that's their agenda? That little what's the little? Uh, <laughs> there's some kind of worm or something that has I can't remember, but. <laughs> hey, you didn't you didn't pay attention enough in science class there, brother. You're I didn't. Not, you're not did. following the science, brother. Uh, that's See, exactly ladies right. and gentlemen, look. Here's how it is for us, okay? We believe governments have a limited proper role, okay? And one of the limited proper roles that a lot of the limited proper roles that governments doing, they're not doing the core things that we have justly delegated to them to do. They're not doing those things. But they're doing right. everything else that we have not given them authority to do. See, that's the real problem. One of the things that we did give authority for them to do uh, is to use constitutional currency. That would be gold and silver, Brian. And they're not doing right. that. But all these things we don't want them to do, that they don't have authority to do, that we are complaining that they're, they're doing all that but not doing what we've asked them to do. Uh, right. What do you think the best way to write that ship is? Well, you're right on. I mean, it looks like that judge. Isn't there due process? I mean, I, you know, or, or uh, there's, there's so many things like that that we're, you know, we're saying, okay, well, how, how is it? I mean, here's, here's the, here's the guidelines that we are, we've adopted here to, you know, the Constitution, uh, the honest money, due process, con- yeah, all this, but, but they tend to not, they, they tend to write their own agenda as they move forward without any consequence, and I think that's the biggest issue, and I think, you know, and. I guess we allowed that to happen, and yeah, it's not good. The question for us, though, is how do we make them accountable? How do we create transparency and accountability to the point where the people can get in charge again? And I don't mean individually get in charge or tiny groups. Look, our country was designed replete with checks and balances to prevent anybody, any small group, from getting too powerful. The elite thugs or the good guys trying to fix it shouldn't get too much power either because the good guys trying to fix it, if they get too much power, they'll become the bad guys, Brian. Right, right. Unrighteous dominion when you get too much power. Isn't that what God has said? Yes, sir. Roger that. That's right. All right, final story before the end of the hour. And this has to do with the economy a little bit too in a strange way, Brian. Here's the deal. A database used by the New York Police Department violates state law and the Constitution. That's what the Legal Aid Society is now contending in a lawsuit. What happened, you say? I guess three years ago, this girl, Shakira Leslie, was returning home from a friend's birthday party in the Bronx when they got pulled over. And uh, when they got pulled over, well... She, they, they frisked her and did all this kind of crap, and she didn't have anything bad on her. But they eventually found a gun on somebody else in the car. Well, they freaked, and they literally arrested everybody. Well, they forced, took her DNA at the time, Brian. And now her DNA was entered into a, quote, city database that contains tens of thousands of profiles And her lawyers say that it remains there, even though, listen carefully, even though that night, three years ago, is the only time she's ever been arrested in her life. Miss Leslie is now a plaintiff in a class action lawsuit. Uh, And you look at this whole story and you go, now they're collecting our DNA 
without our permission, without authority, without any law supporting it. They're just flat out violating the law in New York City. So my question is, this going on in New York City? But is this going on in other places and all over the country, too? And the answer is clearly a resounding yes, Brian. This is the epitome of the problem. Yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, that is that's that's what that's what we just said. You know, unrighteous dominion when there's they they feel like they can here's more power and we can do this and but it you know stems from the top. I mean, it comes from our top leadership that just okay we we're going to spy on people, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Who cares if we get caught? It's not going to affect us. So I mean, that's that's the agenda that they're pushing, and we've seen. That's the problem here. They claim that they're doing this because they want to make sure they get the right criminal, the right crime, the right that they have all their facts right. The problem is it's violating state laws, violating violating federal law. They have no authority. So this lawsuit saying, hey, not only do you need to take her information out of the database because you don't have any right to violate her privacy, uh, but furthermore, you don't even have any right to keep the database. So they're asking and pushing for the database to be completely shut down entirely, Brian. Right. So is it going to happen? What is your thought? I hope that we have the truth on this. The problem is the judges are so compromised. People are debating right. now if our if our you know judiciary even works. Right. Okay. They literally said they wouldn't connect DNA in conjunction in conjunction with misdemeanors or anything anymore. But even though they claimed that, they're still doing it. All right. Yeah, so I, I think that. Yeah. So here's what happens. Let's say we're going to offer you a cigarette or offer you a drink. We offer you the cigarette, we offer you the drink, and then we just get your DNA off there, buddy. Yeah, you know the good so that's thing. That's why it is, always pays not to smoke and not to drink, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. I don't smoke or drink. So. But all I'm telling you is, think about this: how tyrannical this has become, and we're going to the courts hoping we can stop it. Our prayers are with Leslie and those who are pushing to shut this database down entirely. This is the kind of stuff we the people need to do to fight back, to push back, to gain the upper hand in the culture war. But it will only happen if we turn to God Almighty. Brian, final words yours, sir. I agree. We need to turn back to God. No doubt about it. Amen to that. Brian Rust, RustQuinnandGift.com, doing a phenomenal job as always. You've got a friend in the coin business, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for being alongside for the ride. For Sam Bushman and Brian Rust of RustQuinnandGift.com, LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Top the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard hitting news that I was refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Amer- Americans, is the broadcast for March 24th in the year of our Lord 2022. This is indeed our two at two with the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country and to do so in the traditions of our founding fathers. We use the blueprint for liberty, the Constitution for the United States of America. 
We believe in the checks and balances. That's one of the great peaceful solutions we still have at our fingertips. And most importantly, you know we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am Sam Bushman, and today we've got our buddy Pete Sepp with us. He is president of the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. He's been with us for a long time, doing such a wonderful job, telling the tale of liberty, motivating people across the country, uh, locally, from your most local precinct slash county, through your state, all the way up to the federal government, and they even work with international organizations to reduce taxes and create tax accountability everywhere ladies and gentlemen it's really a critical role they play all right he's the president of the national taxpayers union ntu and the national taxpayers union is the voice of america's taxpayers mobilizing elected officials and citizens on behalf of tax relief and reform ntu.org pete welcome back my brother always great to be here sir so much to talk about, so little time, and with, uh, I pray not, but war shenanigans on the horizon, or at least rumors of war and economic sanctions and everything else. Has that jettisoned tax reform in America today, or are we still on, on a task to accomplish something? We absolutely are, and of course, with war unfortunately, does bring fiscal considerations. I mean, going back to the American Revolution itself and the Continental Congress attempting to raise funds for the war and uh, get contributions from the states all the way until today when we're having emergency and supplemental requests for providing military and humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Taxpayers have a role to play in this, uh, whether they wish to or not. And uh, it's important to make sure that even in times like these, and especially in times like these, governments spend money wisely. And uh, I hate to say it, and uh, this is certainly with all respect to those who have served our country in uniform. In fact, many of them tell us this very same thing, that uh, the military area of spending could definitely use a lot more oversight and a lot less waste. And so now's the time when we especially have to make this money count. I agree. We need to make it count. And I agree it's a very complicated landscape. And my goal isn't to dig into war here uh, because I pray we don't have war. And I'm not really trying to pick sides uh, with Russia or Ukraine. I'm not trying to pick sides with Republicans or Democrats. But from a tax analysis point of view whenever war and rumors of war whenever sanctions happen economically around the world it will take a toll on the united states coffers whether you like it or not uh, how does that fit into the thinking of congress and the relationship that we have to influence them uh, pete oh a whole lot i mean we clearly the agenda of tax reform tax cuts a better, more responsive, customer-centric IRS that respects our rights. All of those things are important at a time like this. So is federal spending. And public input 
is what's needed right now. It's very easy for us to say, well, my call or my email doesn't do any good, especially at the federal level. Uh, there's nothing I can do to stop the march of bigger government, whether we're in peacetime or wartime, it doesn't matter. No, it always matters, and it's particularly important now. And let me tell you why I bring that up and spend so much time on that, ladies and gentlemen. You know, they always tell you with the economy, whenever the stock market's down, people are thinking, oh, my gosh, I better sell. And they always say, no, do the opposite of what everybody thinks, whatever your gut or what, you know, do the opposite, because that's what really makes you wealthy. Um, well, that's the true with this reality. At first, you think we're possibly at, you know, war and rumors of wartime. We're at an all-time low in terms of our support for the president. Uh, the media is getting raked over the coals. The Republicans and Democrats are fighting. You think this is the last uh, this is certainly not the opportune time to make a difference or do something here. Nobody's eyes on that ball. But I submit to you just the opposite is true. Everybody's eye is on that ball because if we do have war or rumors of wars, as we do sanction uh, and we do say we're not going to take oil from Russia or as we do all these different things, I'm not here to politically get involved or take sides right now. What I'm here to say is it affects government coffers and it affects your taxes and it affects your life and you. And right now, believe it or not, people's minds are more on this than you can possibly imagine. And Congress is listening like nobody's business. Because at some point, they've got to navigate this economic situation. And at some point, they've got to deal with, hey, we're going to have less money in the coffers. And the average American won't be able to contribute as much. It's, it's that simple. And they're going to have to navigate that even on Biden's watch, Pete. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, of course, the events going on in Ukraine, the Russian invasion of that country, uh, that's one contributing factor to the price inflation that we're experiencing right now. Many other factors are directly policy-related, the poor choices of politicians not to use our energy resources and steward them wisely and rather just to shut them off. Uh, that's been a problem and a contributing factor to energy price inflation. Uh, and I would submit that's a huge mistake, too. Um, we can do yes. so responsibly, and we need to move forward and, and set aside political agendas, and we need to do that. Because, look, why should we be dependent on other powers to our detriment? It's really that simple of a discussion, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. The fact that we were able to develop technologies like horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing that have allowed us to responsibly unlock oil and gas resources and become a, a gas exporter uh, for the first time in recent memory uh, during the uh, late 2010s uh, and into 2020 and beyond. Well, we shut that off through conscious choices of policy. And at the worst possible time, we have to try and reverse that and get supply back into the system so that prices can come down a little bit. We never should have gone down this road in the first place. It was very easy for Joe Biden to say, OK, I'm a committed environmentalist. We need to wean ourselves off oil and natural gas. We're going to take it slow on the development of energy, but we're not going to reverse some of the projects that were begun, like the Keystone XL pipeline, if he'd said, okay, we're going to stop building these pipelines from now on, but we're going to keep things going, 
the way they are, and we're not going to reverse course. If he'd even done that when he came into office, we would be in much better shape than we are now. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And again, there are things that relate to this that we can make a difference on by being aware of and focusing on it. So like I say, strike when the iron's hot. Right now, they're literally thinking about all these issues because they've got to navigate them. They've got to respond to them in meaningful ways. And that's when you and I can have a tremendous ability to be the one to provide guidance and support, not panic, not meltdown, not crazy criticism, but literally steady, well-thought-out ideas, suggestions, policies, plans. We can put them forth. I'll give you some examples to make the point. On the NTU.org website, there is a an article written by Andrew Wilford that says this. Where things stand on the ARPA tax cut. It's a state tax cut provision. What does that even mean? Most, most folks don't even know what that means, Pete. <laughs> well, it's a very interesting provision of the American Rescue Plan Act. That was a COVID-related spending package that the Biden administration proposed and many Republicans and Democrats in Congress tailored. Uh, it was a follow-on to the CARES Act package. So this ARPA uh, was passed in 2021, and there's a little provision in there that uh, effectively says to states that if you accept aid from the federal government, you cannot directly or indirectly offset any reductions um, in uh, revenue from tax cuts with any of the aid you get, and perhaps uh, even uh, beyond any aid you get. This provision was written so vaguely, what uh, it's doing is exerting a chilling effect on states that either took very little aid or took a little more aid but want to cut their taxes further because the economies are growing in uh, certain parts of the country. And they're seeking legal guidance and unfortunately, the U.S. Treasury, the Biden administration's folks, are saying, oh, don't cut any taxes at all. That's our guidance. Well, that's unacceptable. And in many cases, uh, other parts of the guidance are so vague, they don't know what to do. We're clarifying it in court. We can talk about that. All right, we're going to talk about it more. Side. We're going to let Pete pick this up on the other side and really explain it to you, ladies and gentlemen. He called it a little provision because it's tiny in terms of legislation in terms of how much ink it took to write it. But it's gargantuan in its repercussions. Pete Sepp will talk more about this in seconds. NTU.org, you are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas. 
like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Decades after Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden picked up where he left off. With America surrendering to terrorists, Biden's foolish spending is causing inflation, which means more pain at the pump, higher prices on groceries, devaluing your retirement savings when you need it most. Once was a mistake, twice is a disaster. America needs strong leaders, not weak ones. Save America JFC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Pete Sepp of the National Taxpayers Union riding shotgun on the broadcast today. We're talking about, you know what, you think that so many things are going on, nobody could focus on reducing taxes. I couldn't be more in disagreement with that. Quite to the contrary. The fact is everybody's worrying about taxes. Everybody's worrying about revenue and uh, the coffers of government and everything. How are we going to navigate all this? Uh, So we have a lot of opportunity, and we're discussing where things stand on the ARPA state tax cut provision the government federal government is trying to kind of mandate nobody cut taxes because if you took a little bit of cocoa revenue or cocoa money there the bailout money then they want to try to control you there's the stick in the carrot huh pete yeah yeah absolutely and you know sam you and i have talked about this on probably 20 or 30 broadcasts This is another reason, reason number umpteen, for states to be careful about taking federal money. (laughs) Once once they do that, they can be coerced into doing all kinds of things that are bad for their own taxpayers. Now, uh, there have been court cases that have upheld the federal government's uh, prerogative to attach strings to aid to states. But this is the interesting part. So when you go back to 1987 and South Dakota sued the federal government saying, you can't take away 5% of our highway aid just because we're not going to raise the drinking age to 21. That was. So let me, let me stop you there to kind of, let me stop you there for a second to, to kind of back into and explain what you're saying, Pete, because what you're saying is absolutely spot on, but I want to make sure people connect the dots properly. The idea is, yes, courts have backed this idea that they can create a stick and a carrot and they can put strings attached to uh, money they hand out. Uh, But now the point is, yes, you can put strings to it, but only relatable strings. You can't just across the board do anything you want to to unrelated programs, to unrelated expenditures, uh, to money that's already been allocated and and agreed to, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yes. Absolutely. There are really three things the federal government 
has to do. If, if they want to attach those strings, create a stick and carrot situation, they can do so only if the funds are related to a federal project or program, the condition is unambiguous, and the condition is not coercive in nature. It's called the anti-commandeering doctrine. The federal government has some authority here, but it only goes so far. And we believe, as well as a number of state attorneys general, that they went too far in this ARPA bill by saying you cannot use any aid if you are indirectly or directly cutting taxes. That is way too ambiguous. It is not necessarily related to a federal project or program, and it sure is coercive. <laughs> so um, not surprising. And, and the third one, been... Brian, uh, the third one, Pete, not only is it coercive, not only is it not related to a federal program, depending on the way they cut taxes, but what was the third one? And, and the condition is not unambiguous. In other words, and it's, when you it's say direct ambiguous. or indirect, it's so ambiguous, so broad, so confusing. They want you to believe that it relates to everything. And anybody who does anything could subject themselves to prosecution. This is where it's That's it's right. hostile and vague. That's right. And and I, I will tell you, there is prima facie evidence that the Treasury itself knows that they are in trouble because they tried to issue guidance saying, uh, you know, the states asked, we asked uh, as part of our legal project, well, what do you mean, Treasury and federal government by directly or indirectly? They gave us 151 pages of guidance that has still left the situation confused. Clearly, they don't know what those words mean. And, I mean, in, when you go to court, words, definitions are all reality. In fact, it's so much so uh, that this lady going to the Supreme Court, when she was asked to define woman, she was afraid to even define the word woman. It's that I'm not here to go off on a tangent, but I'm here to articulate before the courts, those words absolutely matter, and they know it, Pete. Yes, and the federal government is losing. This is something that taxpayers, through National Taxpayers Union's legal arm, Taxpayer Defense Center, are helping to challenge in court. There are six lawsuits by various states that are affected by this, uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, Missouri, Texas, uh, Arizona, Ohio. They have taken the federal government to court to say, you still haven't cleared this up. We want to exercise sovereign tax policy, and you're standing in the way of it. We have won four out of those six lawsuits so far at the district court level, uh, two of those suits were dismissed because of standing, standing issues, not on the merits of the case, and they're on appeal. That means the federal government is losing big time so far in this process, but we've got a long way to go. One of these cases is going to get to the Supreme Court, and we need to have all our resources ready to make our best argument to be sure that this law is struck down. And I think the appeal should go forward because how do you say there's no standing here? How, how do you say that when you're literally restricting a state, what they can and cannot do 
uh, independently. Uh, and the standing thing, how do you not have standing? I don't understand. I don't even understand that. Yeah. Well, one of the cases that I read the opinion on basically argued from the court standpoint that the state did not have standing in uh, the Arizona case, for example, because Arizona still had a tax cut legislation in the legislative process, and uh, it hadn't ripened enough. So the state can't claim that um, they're trying to proceed with tax cuts quite yet and are affected by the law. Well, it has since advanced, and the argument is fatuous anyway, because if states are reluctant to proceed because of this law and nothing happens, uh, how can a court say, well, nothing's happening, so you're not affected? That's a circular argument. Well, and, then, and then I would also say this, if they're not affected then and they don't have standing, that alone gives them the ability to proceed and say, no, if we don't have standing, then that law doesn't affect us. There's a point to be made there yes. too, Pete. <laughs> yes. Either I have standing because so, it affects me, or if I don't have standing, then it has no effect on me. And by the way, just so you know, and I'm not really an attorney or anything like that, but I have a decent legal mind. Here's what I would say. It is true that it doesn't affect the state because the federal government can create any mandate they want to. But the states don't have to obey federal mandates. In fact, if you go look at the Sheriff Richard Mack case, where Mack uh, beat Bill Clinton at the Supreme Court over the Brady Bill, in that court case, Anthony Scalia literally wrote, look, there's dual sovereigns here, and there's jurisdictional separations, and the federal government has no authority to demand the states do anything. Um, and so y y there you see that's the, one of the greatest Tenth Amendment cases ever rendered in American history because it said, look, the states have their sovereignty. So I agree they don't have standing. And I agree that it has no effect on the states, even though the federal government wanted it to, even though the legislative body thought it might. And now the, you know, uh, Treasury and, and everybody else, the courts are all wrapped around the axle on this thing. The fact is the states don't have to obey federal mandates. Why? Because there's no jurisdiction. Pete Sepp. Yeah. And. You know, the incredible part of this is that many states are proceeding ahead with uh, tax reductions, um, generally along the lines of uh, your own argument, Sam, that, look, <laughs> clearly this law was written uh, on the equivalent of a paper napkin at the last minute and stuck in the ARPA bill, and it, it was so ambiguous that the Treasury tried to clear it up with a 151-page memo, and that's only created more confusion. We don't feel ourselves bound by a dictate like this. And when you take a look at all of the states that have cut taxes since ARPA went into effect, Arizona, Idaho, Iowa, Louisiana, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin, and more are on the way, states are saying, we do have rights under the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution, and they're, they're not just rights granted us by the federal government. We are granting rights to the federal government. That's how our federal system works. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have given different delegations to different divisions of government for different reasons, and this ain't one of them to the feds. Go read the list in the Constitution. Furthermore, if the government wants to say we have no standing, 
then we just simply say you have no standing either as we nullify their unfunded, without authority, pretend mandates. Hang tight. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's Supreme Court nomination continues today in Washington. As Democrats praise Judge Jackson's record, Republicans are not making it easy for her. Senator Blackburn asked the judge to define a woman. Ms. Jackson said she couldn't, as she's not a biologist. Senator Josh Hawley, after pointing out her soft-on-crime stance, stated he can no longer support her nomination. It should be noted the Democrats can't put her on the Supreme Court without any Republican support because of their numbers in Washington. NATO Secretary Jens Stolenberg spoke with reporters on Wednesday ahead of an emergency summit in Brussels exactly one month after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We face a new reality for our security. So we must reset our deterrence and defense for the longer term. NATO leaders will reaffirm our support to Ukraine. USA Radio News. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Thanks, Pat. Call toll-free 800-630-1490. That's 800-630-1490. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But The Secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Again, 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490 today or at SwissAmerica.com. The computer chip shortage around the world has Intel Corporation taking the offensive stance. Shutdowns of factories during the COVID-19 pandemic combined with high demand and unstable supply chains have created a global semiconductor chip shortage. CEO of Intel Patrick Gelsinger tells Fox Business that they're investing in manufacturing to combat the shortage. We're not just going to manufacture chips for our purposes, but we're going to manufacture wafers for the industry as well and become a major U.S. Uh, foundry supplier, opening the doors of our fabs uh, wide and something that uh, we think is essential. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. Madeleine Albright, a child refugee who fled the Nazis, then rose to power to become the first female U.S. Secretary of State. She died Wednesday of cancer. She was 84 years old. Albright was a central figure in President Bill Clinton's administration, cheering praise from both sides of the aisle. USA Radio News. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the congressionally approved, signed by the president, ARPA state tax cut provision that I say literally has no effect on the states. And if the courts say we don't have standing at a state level, then, hey, that must mean it has no effect on us, right? 
I think we ought to take that to the bank, ladies and gentlemen, because that's the reality check. Remember, we delegated authority to different branches of government, and we gave them lists of what they can do. And the federal government, we said, hey, you got a lot of power in that 10-mile square up there in Washington. you got a lot of power in these limited list provisions defined in the Constitution. We're going to separate you at a federal level, too, because we're afraid you'll get out of control. Uh, so they locked them down pretty good. We just need to make sure that we're educated enough to uphold that reality. There's two questions left on this. Anything else we've overlooked on this ARPA reality people ought to know about, uh, Pete, number one? And number two, is there anything we can do to help make sure that we um, get this right? Well, just definitely to keep informed about the progress of these lawsuits, the National Taxpayers Union Foundation's Taxpayer Defense Center has several attorneys who are assisting other states and their attorneys general in making sure these suits advance through the court system with the best possible arguments. Uh, as I said, I think this is going to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, that's where the issue will have to be finally decided. Keep checking our website for updates, and uh, God bless all of you for your support of these efforts. It shows that taxpayers can win in court when they're well-organized and they're funded enough to keep this fight going throughout the process. Amen. We really appreciate the leadership of NTU on these critical matters. And folks, don't lose sight of these important things that are happening. When everything else is going on in the country and the media is driven by all these other things, look, learn to tap into what's really happening in the country. And I'm telling you, this is one of the ground zero discussions uh, happening right now. Now, I want to really recommend, though, look at that Richard Mack case where Richard Mack won over Bill Clinton at the Supreme Court because it provides a lot of guidance about the federal government doesn't have authority to mandate to the states anything. That's really important. Uh, it's Prince Mack versus U.S., and Scalia wrote some incredible uh, reality about dual sovereignty uh, and everything else in there based on the contract called the Supreme Law of the Land and the Constitution. It's very well done and has real merit uh, in what's going on right here right now pete that's just an fyi for you the next headline yeah. i want to talk about is how congress can boost ocean shipping brian uh with this piece from your organization doing a great job pete oh yes indeed this is in the practical realm of what we can do to address some of the supply chain disruptions that have uh, cropped up uh, not only uh, on land but at sea i mean we were treated to all kinds of photographs, uh, the Port of Los Angeles with all of these ships just backed up uh, in San Francisco as well, uh, trying to un unload and offload their goods. Well, it turns out that uh, there are many things that can be done in the here and now to try to speed up important goods that uh, we trade with uh, from other countries, as well as get more shipping capacity there. Uh, to uh, help uh, bring more ships in and free up ports uh, around the country like Savannah, Georgia, and ports in Florida to take on more traffic. Many of them already are, and uh, they happen to be in states that uh, offer good uh, light-touch regulations, low taxes, and um, a, a growing economic environment, uh, unlike, uh, unfortunately, uh, what you see in California. Some of the proposals we have, uh, we need to try and uh, look at eliminating taxes across the board 
on the uh, imported chassis that American truckers use to transport shipping containers. Uh, that could lower costs for them at a time when their fuel costs need to be brought down as well. Uh, that involves uh, taking a look at the uh, tax situation, uh, the federal tax on diesel, the state taxes. Yeah, that, that creates other kinds of complications and headaches for the funding of roads. Uh, right now, uh, as a temporary measure, well, that might provide a little relief. There's also something called the Jones Act, which uh, allows only American flagged ships to transport certain goods uh, between ports, um, not only ports abroad, but ports in the United States jurisdiction. Well, if you do a suspension, as President Trump did at one point uh, for Puerto Rico, uh, when they were in trouble, uh, you might provide uh, a little more shipping capacity to get goods in and out at uh, a more reasonable price. Um, we also have to look at the dredging of ports and uh, how uh, companies uh, ought to be able to come in more expeditiously. There are lots of regulations at many of these ports, um, especially in places like California that make those things very difficult. So we need to take a look at providing relief from uh, big government mandates and taxes. I know that sounds like a broken record, but unfortunately, mandates and taxes are the broken record, not those of us who are saying, stop that record from spinning and sing a different tune. Amen to that. Uh, I don't want to be a broken record either, but I do want people to understand these are really the key issues going on in America, ladies and gentlemen. And what we need to do is jettison the mainstream narrative that, hey, all you got to worry about is, is um, you know, Russia and the Ukraine, or all you got to worry about is, man, um, you know, we're, we're not going to have any enough semiconductors uh, for our, our computers or whatever. All those things have some validity and some truth. But look how Congress can boost ocean shipping. One of the greatest ways is to get out of the way. One of the ways is to really realize that, you know, government doesn't need to solve everything. Oftentimes it's government involvement that causes some of these moral hazards uh, in the first place, uh, etc. Pete? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we also have to pay attention to your point, Sam, about those seemingly small opportunities that can actually have a huge impact. And uh, that's uh, something that my colleague Damian Brady recently pointed out regarding public comments on IRS tax forms. And this is a really underutilized area for citizens to provide information, uh, not their personal information, but rather relate their experiences to the IRS about the time and effort it takes to prepare tax returns. This is law. The IRS has to accept this information. The Office of Management and Budget has to evaluate it, and they come up with what's called an information collection budget, meaning they tally up how much of a burden in time and out-of-pocket expense it is to complete the various tax forms. This is our chance to give realistic input so that Maybe, just maybe, and I've seen this happen before, the forms and the processes will be redesigned because citizens are saying, this is crazy. There's a better way to do it. This process has worked. 
and it has led to even Congress getting involved and reducing the paperwork burden of our tax system. I wish we were at the point where we'd have uh, enough support to repeal the 16th Amendment, not rely on this federal income tax system. We're not there yet, and until we are, we've got to do things like these to make the system less burdensome. All right, there you have it, Pete. Uh, all I'm telling you is a lot's going on with taxes. Any final comments? I'm going to let you go a little bit early today, but any final comments uh, that we ought to know about? Well, folks just need to know that uh, even at the local level, uh, differences are happening. Uh, there was a court case recently that upheld the Great Taxpayers' Bill of Rights in Colorado, that measure that passed in 1992, limiting the government growth of spending and taxes to the citizens' ability to afford it. And the government has to ask citizens for more money if it exceeds the limit of inflation and population growth. It's one of the best constitutional mechanisms against Un unfettered government growth that we have in this country. It's just been upheld in court. And that was born out of one citizen's idea at the local level to do it for his city. It went statewide and it spawned other states to do the same thing. That's my point. One person out there listening to this broadcast who is willing to say, hey, it's up to me to do something as a taxpayer made a huge difference. Pete Sepp, God bless you and your organization, NTU.org. Thanks so much. We'll have you back soon. My pleasure. There he goes, Pete Sepp, doing a phenomenal job with the National Taxpayers Union, always on your radio. Now we go to another dear friend we've had on the radio with us for literally over the last 25 years, Matthew Staver, well-known lead attorney with LibertyCouncilLC.org. Welcome back, Matt. Good to be with you. Thank you. There is so much going on. I don't even know where to start uh, with there what's going, so on going on in the country. Sure. And, and, and I, yeah. I say that because I'm getting emails from you on so many topics, but primarily these vaccine mandates, these forced mandates are out of control, and they literally have mandated all this, but they've also withheld, I'm going to call it a, uh, what is it called? Esculpatory information? They've literally withheld the facts on this, knowing full well how damaging these vaccines are to the point of literally criminality. Mr. Staver, your thoughts? No, they really have. In fact, uh, you know, the FDA got information from Pfizer with regards to their request for licensing their COVID shot. They had this information. They have a lot of information. They reviewed it in a few months. They then got a FOIA request to provide this information to the public. And they said, well, no, it's going to take us 75 plus years to do so. How about 500 pages a month and it'll take 75 years? Well, many people will forget about it or be gone by then. The federal judge fortunately said, no, you have uh, eight months. How about 55,000 pages a month instead of 500? And so the very first group of um, documents that was released on March the 1st, you can now see why they want to hide this information. It's a document from Pfizer, 38 pages. It includes a nine-page appendix. It's single-spaced, nine pages. 
and it doesn't have any description. It just has the words of the actual condition, the disease, for example. 1,291 serious medical conditions that Pfizer knows about and have documented in just a period of a year of deployment with regard no, I, to I don't mean to interrupt. Say that shot. number again, though, Mr. Staver. I, I don't even know how to understate this. 1,291. 1,291. And you understand, like, when you buy a medicine at a drugstore and then you open it up and there's this sheet, you open it up, you see what's in it, and it gives you some of the possible reactions. It may say in sentence format, this may cause in rare occasions a rash or it could cause in some occasions a headache. If so, stop using this medication, et cetera, et cetera, and see a doctor, whatever it may be. No, in this, it's not sentence format. It's just the word of the condition, like myocarditis, like uh, neonatal death, uh, and it goes on. One after another, they're all separated just by a single comma. So you can kind of get the massive amount in terms of what is 1,291 specific names of physical serious conditions. Imagine getting this COVID shot. Would you like to have this shot? Sure. Here's the um, here's the list of adverse reactions. Well, it's nine pages, single space, not in sentence format, just a run-on comma after comma, just the name of the condition, the name of the disease, and you start reading those, and you say, oh, my goodness, that's some of the side effects, and that has happened all in a year? Yes, um, but it's safe and effective. Don't worry about it. Unbelievable. Who would take something like that? That's why the FDA and the CDC don't want you to know this information. They're reporting false information, and they're withholding relevant information that we need to know about. In fact, we were in trial just about two weeks ago. And I had three flight surgeons that testified in our federal court case against the military regarding these COVID shot mandates. One of them is Dr. Peter Chambers. 2023 would be his 40th year in the military. He wanted to make it to 40 years. He's not going to make it to 40 years. He trusted the safe and effective narrative from the government as uh, one of the six Green Beret doctors in the entire world, flight surgeon, Purple Heart recipient. He got all the vaccines up until the COVID, and he trusted the government, safe and effective. He didn't do his own research, unfortunately. He just relied upon the safe and effective mantra. So he took the Moderna shot. Now he's going to be disabled, um, retired this coming May because he has demyelinization, which means the protective lining around your nerve is deteriorating. It's kind of like a cord and you melt away the plastic on the outside of that electrical cord and you just see the actual cord inside, well, that will short-circuit, malfunction that particular carrying of electricity in that cord. That's what happens to your nervous system when it demyelinates that protective lining around your brain and your nerves. That's what's happening to him. What an AK-47 in Afghanistan couldn't do to stop this Purple Heart recipient, the Moderna shot did. And had he known now, he said, what he now has studied, had he known that it was made with aborted fetal cell in the testing and development phase, had he known about some of the side effects, and by the way, that particular demyelinization condition is listed as one of those 1,291 conditions that Pfizer knew about, FDA knew about, and they didn't tell anybody. He would not have taken it, and he would make his 40th year and retire in 2023 rather than being forced to retire from a medical disability. 
Now, this is hard to understand because the government, and I don't know uh, if it's just the CDC, the FDA, I don't know how many government agencies are involved in this, but this military case is really exposing uh, the truth of what's happening. They've lied from the very start. They've withheld exculpatory evidence. They have literally, and now in addition to all that, if that's not enough, now they're literally witness tampering, right, Matt? Yeah, they are. In fact, in that same hearing uh, the night before, we were preparing for the hearing going over Dr. Uh, Teresa Long's testimony. She's a medical doctor, flight surgeon. She works with a lot of pilots. She also has a master's in public health at the request of her superiors to get that, and she's an expert in what's called the DMED, the Defense uh, Medical Epidemiology Database that logs all the medical treatment of all the men and women in the military. So she sees what's happening with regards to medical treatment. She did research between comparing 2021 when the shots came out versus the previous five years and found startling increases in neurological conditions, other kinds of conditions, miscarriages, myocarditis, pericarditis, you name it, a whole bunch of conditions. And she was called on 5 o'clock the day before we were going to have the hearing in federal court and commanded, ordered by her commander, who said it came from above, so it had to come from at least a general or higher, not to testify the next day based upon the knowledge that she had. So when she was on the stand the next day and I questioned her, I asked her a question, she said, I've been ordered not to answer that question. The judge said, ordered by who? We began to explain what happened, how she felt intimidated, even threatened for her very life because of the information that she has and the command that she received. And then I said, is the information that you have uh, relevant? And would, would it be helpful for this court to know that the Department of Defense doesn't want you to testify to? She said, yes. She then um, paused. I said, uh, why? Why is it relevant? Can you tell us? She paused for a few moments. She then um, looked at the judge. She held back tears. And it was shocking what she said. She looked directly at the judge and she said this. She said, uh, I have so many soldiers being destroyed by this vaccine. Not a single member of my senior command has discussed my concerns with me. I have nothing to gain and everything to lose by talking about it. I'm okay with that because I'm watching people get absolutely destroyed. This is what they don't want you to know about. Their goal, their motive is control, isn't it, Matt? They're not really interested in the vaccines. That's not even the discussion, right? Yeah, it's control. And you know what I think it is? I think it's part of a bigger agenda by Biden and Secretary Austin, and that is to purge the military of people of faith, particularly Christians. If you go back into right after he was confirmed, he had made a statement, Secretary Austin, the defense secretary, that he wanted to, that the military needed to purge. He was referring to January 6th. There are some people in the military that support January 6th. Well, he's not talking about people that support, you know, violence. He's talking about people that have different political views that disagree with him and Biden. And he mentioned that it needed to be purged. He was questioned about that. This, I believe, is the way for the military to purge people of conservative Christian values under the guise of forcing the vaccine. It goes against all logic. Number one, we know, they know that they're hurting their own military members. We know and they know that it's causing significant decline in morale and military readiness. They also know that it's not preventing the transmission of COVID. They also know that we're on the opposite side of the bell curve on the downward slope on Omicron. 
Even Hawaii uh, took away its mask mandate, the last state in the union, but the military is still standing strong. Why? Why is this so illogical and yet they're still persisting it? Because I think it's a way for them to purge people from the military that they don't like that have conservative Christian values. But Joe Biden literally has blood on his hands over this as well because people are dying. And when they have this knowledge and people are dying and they continue to perpetuate uh, this dishonest agenda and then shut us down saying we're peddling fake news, etc., they've gone beyond the pale in terms of the reality check on this one. There's blood on their hands now. I believe there's clearly blood on Joe Biden's hands, no question about it, because the direction for the mandate has come down from him to the Secretary of Defense and then from there down to the military. They know that some of these people are being injured, many of them, by the way. In fact, there's more people we know from data. This is indisputable. More people have died in the military from the COVID shots than from COVID itself. That's a fact. We know that from the data. We know how many people are reported to have died from the COVID shots in the military. We know how many people that they say have died from COVID in the military, from the military data itself. So they know. They know that it's hurting people. What these individuals testified to in our court hearing, uh, they said that they know people who are being injured, that they're dying. They also know people who have committed suicide. We've got a chaplain who just gave a memorial service February 22 is when this young man took his life. Uh, He counseled the young man uh, and recommended that he get the COVID exemption, but the pressure just continued to be on him. Pressure, more and more pressure. Husband and wife, both military members, both of them filed for religious exemptions. They were being forced out. They would lose their incomes. Not only that, they would lose their career, and they would be blacklisted because they would be discharged without honor. They'd have to pay back their educational cost, any kind of training cost, it would bankrupt the couple. Um, And unfortunately, this young man took his life. He's not the only one. We know of others as well. These doctors know of others as well. There is blood on their hands based upon these irrational, abusive mandates. All right. It's not only the president of the United States, though. A lot of executive branch leaders are doing this, too. The main governor violates the laws with shop mandate as well. These governors are as out of control as the president are. Yeah, exactly. Like in Maine, for example, New York, we're litigating there and other places around the country. In Maine, the governor, um, Mills, and then in New York, Governor Hochul said all the healthcare workers have to get the COVID shot, and you cannot entertain or accept a religious exemption. And in fact, any employer that grants a religious exemption to these COVID shots will lose their business license. So you have a hospital with several hundred people. You grant one person's religious accommodation request, and then what happens? The governor comes in and says, well, we're going to shut you down. You no longer have a license to operate your business. So it's putting incredible pressure on these employers, and so the employers terminated these individuals. These are people who worked through the pandemic. These are people who didn't have PPE at the early stages. Some of these nurses, for example, rented travel trailers, put them out in their yard, That's where they would sleep because they didn't know what they were bringing into their home to their families. They just didn't know. It was early on in the pandemic. These people are heroes, just like these military men and women, just like the pilots who flew and the, you know, flight attendants who flew people during COVID at the very height of it. Uh, And then they get forced to 
take this shot against their religious convictions or even against their medical contraindications, and if they don't comply, they're terminated. They're pushed out. So here's Some of those the are right line. there on the verge of retirement as well. We've only got a couple of seconds left, uh, Mr. Staver, and I want to make sure I get this question in. Are we beyond Nuremberg trials on this already? I think we're in the Nuremberg situation with lack of informed consent. But you know what? We're going to fight and fight and fight to reverse this. We've been able to be successful on stopping some of these mandates, and we're going to stop this military abuse. For more information, you can always go to our website, lc.org. Um, last question. Do you think we're going to – I mean, I know we've got some wins on this, but it seems like the government just keeps thumbing their nose and disobeying the law. I mean, now you've got another temporary I'm, restraining order, and more and more – the judge gets it on one hand, but yet the government just keeps belligerently going like a bull in a china shop, right? Yeah, we're going to hold them accountable, though. They're not going to get away with this. I can tell you what. I mean, I, I, these are things that keep us up on at night through the weekends because we're always thinking about this, working on it. But we're not going to rest until we get justice for all these individuals. These are defenders of freedom, and we are now defending their freedom. If they lose their freedom, we lose our freedom. Amen to that. Matthew Staver, we just want to congratulate you uh, on uh, your successes. We want to thank you for the incredible work that's being done. We know that we need to financially support you guys at lc.org and do all that we can to help. Americans need to stand up all over the country and politely but insistently push back and say, no, this isn't happening. We need to encourage counties and states to nullify now and say, look, you don't have authority to mandate these things. Um, Anyway, we're so grateful for you and all that you're doing. We just want to let you know we're out here. We know about it. We're grateful, and we're doing all we can to help. Thank you, Sam. Great to be with you. There he goes, Matt Staver, doing a phenomenal job, ladies and gentlemen. Well-known attorney. We've had him on the radio with us over the years, and every time he comes in uh, and joins us on the broadcast, it's just incredible information and just stellar work by Liberty Council, lc.org. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk always at your fingertips when it's Liberty Roundtable Live. That's for sure, right? All right. Uh, uh, LibertyRoundtable.com. LovingLiberty.net. You've also got BrighteonRadio.com. By the way, they're adding our Saturday show. Did you hear that? It's fantastic news. We'd like to thank all of you. Without you, we wouldn't even be here. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic. (laughs) 